Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Chaz Smith, and I hate surfing. Chris Cote does not hate surfing, and to the surf fan, needs no real introduction. The San Diego negative... San Diego negative. <laughs> yeah. The San Diego native has been a central part of this world from birth. Heading the very popular Transworld Surf magazine for years, transitioning beautifully to a voice of the world surf league, Cote is a multi-hyphenate artist, singer, songwriter, icon. Without further ado, Chris Cote. Give a little background just how you did fall in love with surfing for the very first time. I fell in love with surfing for the first time literally on a trip to Ventura with my family. I, was, uh, I had my Mach 7.7 my fins, my blunt cut fins for drop knee. And we were surfing, I believe it was C Street Point, two foot, crumbly fun little left. I borrowed my brother's uh, surfboard. It was a late 80s glass on thruster, probably shaped by Agua. And I dropped in on a little wave and I did a little cutback. And that was the moment. How old? I was probably, I want to say maybe 12 or 13, a little bit, uh, well, these days I would be considered a late bloomer, but, you know, I was bodyboarding and messing around with surfboards before that, but probably 12 or 13, I really thought, all right, this is it. That one turn just did it for me. So you now have been through the entire, I would say, uh, rise and I don't know if you would call it the fall of the surf industry. Would you, would you call it the fall? You were there in the heyday, right? The like yes. trans world surf days when magazines had budgets and were flown to Hawaii to cover yeah. events and blah, de, blah, de, blah, blah. You know, one boat trip a year, one trip to Tavarua a year, uh, endless, endless, seemingly endless budget back then. And it's interesting because when somebody asked me a couple, a week or so ago, what was the surf industry like? And my vision of it was you would go to the company and there would be a giant building. Go to Volcom, for example. Giant building, there's a hundred something people working there. Everyone's friends. Everyone is kind of doing stuff, but also when you show up, everyone kind of stops doing their stuff and yep. it's like a party. And then you go and you have your meeting and you're walking around the building, you're saying hi to the owners, you know, you know everybody there. And then you go to the back, the magical warehouse, and there's a guy back there and he usually has neck tattoos. And he goes, you get 12 things. And you get to go around the warehouse and you get free stuff. And it was like that for many, many years. There was a physical manifestation of the company. And the offices kind of mirrored what the vibe of the company was, you know, Oakley, had a moon base. Billabong was a little more subdued, but still kind of a fun atmosphere with vintage boards and stuff. Volcom was wild and so on. And so that was kind of the, the physical manifestation of what the surf industry was. And there was liquid lunches. And when you went to your marketing meeting to get your ad dollars, you always ended up drunk in the afternoon. Do you think this iteration, that's all gone, right? That's Every, gone. Now it's gone. I don't know where these companies are. Blue Star Alliance. Okay, or, where is that building? <laughs> I have no idea. New York okay, City, I think. Yeah. So this, but do you see this as a net negative or no? Or do you think things change, people change? That was a, do you see that as the golden era 
and this era as something different? I see that as the golden era of the quote surf industry. I think now is just the golden era of everybody surfs. Uh, I don't know where the money that is coming into surfing is necessarily going. I don't think it's going to the surfers. Uh, it might be going to the surf shops a little bit, but I think it's just kind of coming in and going out, you know? Do you think that's a bad thing? Or, I mean, is there a good and bad? I mean, I feel like as long as surfboard shapers are making a living and we're all getting great boards, that's a good thing. So it seems like in driving to your office from my house, there was a lot of people out there surfing and they all bought boards and they all bought wetsuits and booties and accessories. So there's money and I hope it's going to surf shops, but do I think it's a good or a bad thing? I mean, people are enjoying themselves and they're having fun. It's a good thing. Surfing's always, surfing's a great thing. Uh, the surf industry is a different thing, right? Which is a perfect segue, I suppose. You are known by most of the audience now, I would imagine, as a world uh, surf league commentator, more than a magazine editor or whatever you're These previous. days, yeah. yeah. Um, and you also get a lot of guff, I would, I don't know about a lot what of guff. I share? Some guff. 50% for, guff. For being too positive, for mm -hmm. This idea that uh, toxic positivity, let's yeah. say. <laughs> the wall of positive noise coined the phrase, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah, and I appreciate that. But uh, how do you answer to that? The, the idea that when you're calling a surf contest, you know, or, or just talk me through in right. general, like life behind the wall of positive noise. You know, I feel that I have unbridled enthusiasm when it comes to surfing, skateboarding, whatever. I'm watching somebody do something that's very difficult. It's dangerous at times. It takes a real high level of skill. It's the same thing as a song, right? I don't always like this type of music or that song, but I know how hard it is to write this song, to go in the studio, to record it, and put it out, all that stuff. So I, I feel like when people are putting passion and heart into something they're doing, I jump, I jump into that and I get excited about it. You know, I always say, I, you know, there, I have my cliche isms that I go through when I'm announcing like, that's why I'm not a judge because I get excited about everything. So even if it's, you know, a fail in the eyes of the judges, I can find something good about what happened. And luckily, you know, if it's a contest at Pipeline, Peahi, Lowers, I can't tell John John, you know, I can't say, well, if he would have grabbed his rail and did, you know, I can't say that because I don't know about that. But what I can do is talk about it, ask the expert, Ross Williams, Pete Mel, you know, Strider, whoever sitting here who knows how to ride a barrel like that or do an air like that. And I say, what happened? And so I'm the bridge between, you know, the people on the couch who might not know all the terminology. Maybe they're just watching because they think surfing's cool and they want to learn. Maybe they're hardcore and they think I'm too positive, but I got to try to bring everybody together, you know? Where does the idea of critique, do you think, come in here? Like, you know, when, if you're watching a football game or yeah. a basketball game or something, usually they have the color guy, the straight guy, but there's some amount. And I suppose 
I don't know. I know that in the NFL, for example, they get in big trouble for uh, critiquing the officiating and whatnot. Uh, the commentators right. do. Yeah. Except then you'll have a guy like Troy Aikman who has played the game for so long and will just light into him, right? Tony Romo, uh, I exactly. think, yeah, does a great job with that. Exactly. Is there, do you think that's a missing element from the WSL booth or is it, or yeah, do you think it's there and the kind of core surf fan is just grouchily ignoring it? I think it's there. I think there are moments when you really do hear the commentators disagree with the score. In my position as a play-by-play expert, you know, I'm wor- working more with the nuts and bolts, right? So I'm trying to explain uh, everything that's happening in the heat, introduce the surfers, tell the scores, here's what they need, you know, the, the real kind of nuts and bolts of the operation. The analyst would be the person that could potentially say, how the hell was that an eight? How the hell was that a seven? But lately in the past couple of years, what I've kind of been thinking about is, okay, here's one expert. There's one expert over there. These people watching, there's an expert there. So your one opinion supersedes the opinion of five to seven experts. And that's where I kind of think, well, I, I don't have the, I don't have the, the clout, I guess, to disagree with what seven experts have just said. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like sometimes if those scores are debated, if the scores are on the line, I'm like, I'm, I'm going with the experts because my passionate opinion or this person's opinion, who, who knows where, you know, maybe they just like to do airs and they don't like turns, whatever it is. So I, nowadays I'm always kind of like, not blindly, I don't, there, I don't blind faith in the judges, but more often than not, I'll say, well, there, there's five people up there that just agreed on this number. So how does my one opinion supersede that? Do you, the kind of core World Surf League audience, or right. let's just say the, particularly the one that exists on Beach Grit, right? I think there's, yeah. a, there's a... The vocal core. Exactly. The Who vocal we core. need. Yeah, and get like, how do you deal with like the frustration, the and me perpetually throwing probably unnecessary gas on that fire? Uh, oh, we need it. But yeah, like, is that? I mean, what do you feel about that? Do you think that? Do you think it's overly negative coming from the core? Do you think that people aren't seeing the good enough, or are just going to be grouchy no matter what? I think they're seeing the good. They're enjoying the good. They like to see people get barreled and do big turns and errors and all that, that, that's why they're watching. The periphery stuff of what the hell did this announcer just say or why was that score low? That's my guy, I want him to win. Those are the easy things to just kind of pick out. And what, you know, what I love is you talk for nine hours straight, right? And somebody comes and takes five seconds of what you said. It's actually, it's like a, a big compliment. Because if somebody takes that five, you're, you're inevitably, if you talk for nine hours straight, you're going to say a couple stupid things uh, along the way. And so for somebody to pick out this dumb thing you said and kind of retype it and put it in the comment boards, it's actually a compliment because that tells us that they're listening. You know, that famous Howard Stern quote, right? What was, it was like 40% of the people love you and they listen for 25 minutes. Yep. 60% of the people hate you and they're listening for two hours. Yep. So that's kind of why I take it as a compliment. 
The, uh, it's how, fun. How do you think uh, about the overall health of the World Surf League? Do you think it's going well? It's like everything's on track? The... I mean, I always get paid on time. Uh, the events when you're on the ground are extremely well organized. The scaffolding's ready when you show up. The mics are ready. They're, everything behind the scenes is ready to go. And so I feel like it's very healthy. And I'm, I'm definitely, I think I'm a lot more outside of the operation than people think. I think a lot of the announcers are because we're not obviously making decisions about day-to-day -day operations. We're not making decisions about what days to run or places to go, any of that stuff. Some people are more engaged in it because they work you know, the whole schedule. But myself, I do three to four events for the year. And so you know, I just get the call and I'm excited to do it. And I go show up and you know, plane tickets arrive on time. Everything's, the, the operation, at least from that perspective, is, seems to be working great. Because I work for other companies and you know, waiting for that check <laughs> but uh overall health i mean i don't know anything about the really about the numbers i just know when i'm out in the world and i see people of all different ages and skill levels whatever and they say oh man you were great in el salvador or something like that so that's the kind of feedback and then you know pretty much every day when i'm working an event i'll go to beach grit I'll go to Instagram and I'm like, all right, let's, let's get humbled here. And when you don't get humbled, you're like, okay, well, I have to say some more stupid shit tomorrow <laughs> to get some comments going. But it, some of us enjoy the comments. Other people don't necessarily enjoy it and they take it personal. And it's like, bro, when they stop talking, that's when you have the problem. That's true. Yeah. That is definitely true. Uh, which brings us, I guess, to Eric Logan. What happened to Eric Logan? Do you know? I... Honest, I would I would honestly tell you if I did know, I don't know. Do you legitimately not I know? I legitimately don't know. Um, you know, he was always kind to me, but I can't say anything about what, you know, like whatever, if there was controversy or not, or if it was just a business thing. Did it surprise you how quickly he was undone and how quietly, like, I've asked, of course, everyone I know, right? Right. And... I believe that you don't maybe yeah. know. Uh, there's no answers. There's no answers. Yeah. Like I've gone as high as I can and only gotten hints of maybe something. Maybe you need it. to go and take ayahuasca and really so. search yourself for the answer. I wonder if Eric Logan <laughs> is currently taking ayahuasca. He is gone too. He is off social media. Yeah. He's going to John John things, I suppose. Yeah. But I, it. yeah, I mean, I... I wasn't, you know, I think it happened in Brazil, right? Yeah. And I wasn't at that particular event. Yeah. And I'm sure it was a different feeling there, but I just kind of saw, I, you know, I saw it online like everybody else. Wild times. Derek Riley was wondering, he did a report the other day, okay. a, or there a study came out in Australia that the average surfing age is now 45 years old. 45. Yeah, that tracks. Why aren't kids surfing anymore? Well, my own kids... I gave them every opportunity to surf, and they did a little bit, uh, but I think that maybe it's too crowded. I mean, it's, it's kind of, around here, it's pretty hard to catch waves for even the highest skilled surfers. Um, you know, it's cold, it's not cold, but I just think that maybe, and maybe it's due to the fact that like, oh, you're, 
your dad, my dad surfs, like that's lame. Yeah. You know, my kids do parkour and they mountain bike. And I'm super good with that because, I mean, I've seen, I, I felt the pressure of being a surfer in San Diego, uh, especially trying to compete and be sponsored and all that. And it was horrible. It's around here and I'm sure it's the same in Hawaii and probably Florida, Australia, Japan, wherever there, Brazil, wherever there's multi-generational surf things happening uh, and, there's, and there's a high population of good surfers like there are here, you're gonna have that pressure because it's, it's hard when you're a kid and you get really into it and you're like, I wanna, I wanna have the sponsors and boards and stuff and it's like, you gotta be really good these days. When I was a kid, it was like you could get sponsored if you could do chop hop. I mean, what's gonna happen, like, uh, who was it in Newport? Uh, the guy who was all dark black and, uh, what's his name? He was like goth before goth was lived. Josh Hoyer. Josh Hoyer, thank yeah, you so love much. Josh Hoyer. Love Josh Hoyer too, yeah. but it feels like the Josh Hoyer era is gone. There's never going to be another, or not in our time, the, uh, like a really good surfer who's unique, who doesn't do surf contests. And just almost stays home, right? Like yeah. Josh Hoyer surfed Newport. Josh Hoyer wasn't really going out. And, yeah. You know, and that was it. And that was good enough for Josh Hoyer to have a full sponsorship. Yeah. Will that Analog. Happen? Yeah. Will yeah. that happen again, that era? I think it is happening now, but it's a difference. It's the vlog era. Yeah. Right? You can be... You have to make your vlogs interesting. You have to be a good surfer. You have to be pretty like out, outrageous, I think. Um, well, you know, Brett Barley is a good example, right? He's an incredible surfer, charges, so good at riding the barrel, can do huge errors, but he's not like, ah, you know, he's not doing shoeys in his videos. He's going and like bringing his family to the beach and then getting crazy barreled in North Carolina. So, the 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 video or the photo guy who was the magazine darling is now the vlog guy and it's a DIY thing and you've got to be pretty good at it and consistent with it in order to make a living from it you know Brett for example still has all the sponsors and stuff and i think that's how he he's one example of probably i don't know a dozen or so successful vloggers that don't have to do surf contests which which vlogs do you watch with any regularity are you a ben gravy i watch ben's i watch zeke's uh i watch nathan florence i try to watch them all j-o-b i'll watch i watched his uh uh Wyoming river thing the other day it's almost died i mean i just basically i put on youtube on my tv and i kind of just cycle through just to kind of see that's a good part about having a podcast is because in a way it forces you to know what's happening. Stay, stay on top of it, cling to relevance via vlog, That's the, you know? I'm Just, a YouTuber now. I'm we're a YouTuber. on YouTube, like and subscribe. Smash that button. Leave it in the comments below. Is he being too positive? Why is he dressed like that? Do it, please. Which brings me around to, I think it was a few years ago, you said, and I quote, Beach Grit is Fox News of surf media. Yeah. Think about it, right? They talk to their base. They fire up their base. Yeah. Chaz is kind of like the Tucker Carlson of surf media. They've and got now their... look at you. You have your own show. <laughs> You're, you are. You're still Tucker. They've got their Bill O'Reilly's and their made-up name people. Yeah. People on their message boards, and it's vicious. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of fun, and it's a privilege and an honor to give Beach Grit so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys... Are, have been and are the 
the outliers, the counterpoint to the wall of positive noise. Masters at the, the sales pitch, the grab, you know, the, what do you call it? The tag or the clickbait, the click, well, clickbait, <laughs> the tagline, whatever it is, it's brilliant. And I, I really appreciate how you can take a, you know, like a, just a Prince Harry sees a surfboard. You can take that and create a story around Content. it. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why like, I've never, I've never quit you. I, I never quit you. And if, if, you know, if you piss me off, then that's just, you did, you've done your job and it makes you think and you go, well, I can't be mad at this. This is funny. You know, I'm sure do people still like threaten you and stuff and oh, get yeah. angry? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is, I guess less now. The thing that I'll get these days, which is funny is people will think I have no friends in the industry because I, that I don't, right. you know, which again, I think, and not to blow smoke here, but that's why I always think so fondly of you is I know however, you know, whatever gets said on Beach Grid and all that, I know that at the end, yeah. like we're just all having a laugh about surfing. There couldn't be much said about me that hasn't already been said that I'm just like, I agree, you know, I agree with that. That's, that's pretty spot on. Um, but I'm sure there's people out there that you've offended or made angry. And I am, one of my, one of my superpowers is forgiveness. I'm quick. If, you know, if so, I go, okay, that made me mad. Let me just, let me just process it for a second. I go, okay, this is a forgivable, quick offense. And that's been my whole life. I'm like the last decade master forgiver. Um, but I know there's people out there that probably, and you maybe feel it when you're down at the seaside <laughs> or wherever around and you're like, why this dude's looking at me weird. I must've said something about him. And usually it's from like 10 years ago. I mean, I, I'm sure there's still people out there that, that harbor some resentment towards something I said in trans, trans world. world days. That was a different me. And I go back and I look at those magazines and I'm going, oh my, how did I not get punched more? How did I not get slapped more times? Because God, it was obnoxious. Look at me, I'm still obnoxious. Yeah. I haven't learned my lesson. I mean, it's a badge of honor when somebody cares enough to, to actually slap. slap you. It's almost like a, another huge compliment. You're like, wow, that they the care. words that I put down on the computer, on the internet, made this person so mad they're gonna physically attack me. How many, slaps compliment. Have, how many slaps have you copped? I mean, just a handful, mostly from family members, yeah. you know, my brother, uh, a lot more, you know, a lot more threats of slapping or worse. But then when you break that wall of like, well, here I am, yeah. I'm like a tiny white nerd guy that has no threat to anyone. Slap away. So if you're gonna, if that's gonna make, you know, you're gonna feel really bad if you punch me or slap me, because <laughs> look at me. I mean, even like he, standing in front of like a huge, scary, like Hawaiian dude that really wants to slap you and you're like, I can't do anything about it, so. Have at it. You know, and like, so uh. luckily, and I have so much dental work, I try to avoid any kind of things flying at my face. Hours in a dental chair. Hawaiians really are the best at the end of the day. I was just listening. I think it was Sterling Spencer. Do you watch his oh, yeah. uh, Epic yes. podcast? Yes. Spencer? It's um, getting better and better it, too. He is like hit his peak yes. and is really in rhythm. Very, very And funny. his uh, sidekick is or best. producer. That's his, that's his cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah. 
amazing. They're such a good team. Absolutely amazing. But they were talking about, and Sterling just reminisced about how great Hawaiians are in general, like about everything. And it made yeah. me pause and think, it really is true. They are great for comedy. They are great for being terrified. They are great for- I'm getting for... nervous. I'm like... <laughs> they're just great. Hawaiians. What would yeah. we do without Hawaiians? It, you know, I feel, and I know you're in the same boat, feel so fortunate to have witnessed very up close and personal, like war correspondent up close and personal, the wild west that was the North Shore. And I'm, I'm sure it's still there, but now there's phones and now there's things like, if you pulled out your phone and tried to film some of the stuff that we've been a part of, you would definitely get punched. It and your phone would have been thrown in the ocean. So luckily... During those times, usually between 11 and 3 a.m., there were no phones, and the video guys were generally passed out by then. But it was, it was hair-raising. It was scary. It was, like, exciting. And, you know, the last few times I've been in the North Shore, you still feel it. You still the energy and the, the water and then the land, and it's just, it's just a lot more serious now, and I think that people... That's why the surfing has been so much better and you're now seeing younger people at pipeline doing extraordinary things and it's because people are just going to bed earlier <laughs> <laughs> they're doing push-ups dang it all well at least they are also listening to joe dispenza like our wonderful friend at griffin colapinto yeah have I, you listened to joe dispenza i have not yeah it's something else i like uh i watch joe rogan shorts that's yep. about as far as i go into the joe to the world Joes. yeah joe yep. dispenza is a Motivational, kind of spiritual. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, again, we're seeing the best surfing that's ever happened. So by any means necessary. So it's less drugs and alcohol and more meditating and yoga. Is yoga still a thing? Is yoga kind of out? I think yoga's out. I think uh, DMT is in. Yoga's out. We got DMT. We're doing... Maybe like some Pilates. Like oh. if you have a lady friend that's like a Pilates instructor, you'll do it. I wish for some Pilates. Me too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.